welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's grab our Bibles and open up to the book of Psalms, chapter 116. I'll read verses 12 through 14 for us now, as we prepare to hear from Hunter Rue as he helps us continue to study and learn about the discipline of worship. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. This passage from Psalm 116 reminds me of an experience that my family and I had this summer. Uh, Many of you know I had the privilege of taking a sabbatical for the summer months. And for a portion of that sabbatical, about six weeks sort of early July through mid-August, I had the privilege of being with my family in the southwestern corner of the state of North Carolina, in the mountains, which were beautiful and provided us opportunities to enjoy God's creation and some new adventures together as a family that we would not normally take part in. And I had several goals as part of my sabbatical plan, but one of the goals was not to see someone come close to death which actually happened on this particular day when we decided to go whitewater rafting as a family on the Nantahala River in the Nantahala Gorge. Some of you may have taken part in this great experience, and it really was wonderful. The one drawback of the Nantahala is that the water averages, even in the middle of summer, about 50 degrees in temperature. So it's a bit brisk if you get in. Well, we had this incredible time of Going down the river over a span of about eight miles, we had a great guide on our raft, and we saw other people. There was a group of men who were there. I'm not sure if it was a bachelor party, but they decided it would be funny to start splashing other boats with their oars, which 50-degree water was not too fun for me. But we had rock spins and going through some class one and two rapids and just enjoying the beauty of God's creation. And at the end of this eight-mile run, were the Nantahala Falls, which were a class three rapid. And so we were building up in our own minds the excitement of what was going to happen. And what actually happened was not what we were expecting. We went through, and as we were going down the rapids, we noticed that a grandfather and his grandson, who were in a two-man raft, had gone down the other side of the rapids, but had kind of gotten stuck in the current and in the crashing of the waves. And then we saw the grandfather get tossed from his boat into the water. And even though he had a life vest on to help him float, he went under the water for a very uncomfortable length of time, several seconds before coming up. In fact, it was so long that we were afraid maybe his foot had gotten stuck on a rock or he had hit his head and he was unconscious. And so our guide tried to turn our boat, and we tried to reach out our paddles, and the man uh, was really not responding. In fact, the leader of the trip had already thrown the emergency rope into the middle of the water, and everyone was yelling, grab the rope, grab the rope, and the guy was not responding. Eventually, he floated under our boat as he went further down, and it was a very, very scary experience. After it was over, the good news is the man was eventually saved out of the water by the staff of the outfitter that we were with, and he was eventually pulled from the water, and eventually, uh, as we ended and we walked up the ramp with our rafts, I saw him and his grandson, I can't imagine the grandson's fear at this time, but 
He was just looking out over the whole scene. You could tell he was just so thankful to have experienced deliverance from his situation, a situation that may have been similar to that of the author of Psalm 116. But his situation, the situation of the author of Psalm 116, reminds me and should remind us that we are all in need of a rescue. And we are helpless to provide this rescue for ourselves. Only Jesus Christ can provide the rescue that we need. And when we recognize the rescue that Jesus has provided and God's faithfulness in the midst of it, the only proper response is thanksgiving expressed in worship, as we do here today. So as you think about this text from Psalm 116, and hopefully you have your song sheets available there, and you can look as we walk through this wonderful book of the Bible and this wonderful chapter. Uh, Be encouraged, as Travis said, one more important plug that you join us on the last 20% of our Read and Pray the Psalms Challenge. Uh, This will be the psalm that you will read tomorrow night, Monday night, as part of your evening reading. Uh, And my hope today is to walk us through and show us some observations that we can make so that when we all read through this psalm tomorrow night, Monday night, as part of our Pray the Psalms Challenge, which I know you will do, uh, is that we will uh, have a, a deeper understanding of the importance of this psalm and what it communicates to us as followers of Jesus Christ. We've been looking at the discipline of worship and how it is essential for any disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, how can we get to know Jesus more By following Jesus where he has gone, as we deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him daily. Corporate worship is one of the essential disciplines of discipleship. And we have been learning that corporate worship starts with God's word and includes praise and confession and lament. And today we will see how corporate worship also includes the practice of thanksgiving. And that is giving thanks to God at all times for his faithfulness in all things. And like Travis said, this this is an appropriate psalm of thanksgiving for the season that we're in right now. Please, think about the Christmas concert celebration, but don't just skip ahead to Christmas fully, as much as Amazon is tempting you and me to do with all of our emails and uh, publications and catalogs that they send. Uh, But let's take some time to think about thanksgiving as a practice, as followers of Jesus. What we find from Psalm 116 is that our reasons for and our responses of thanksgiving are rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll say that one more time. Our reasons for and responses of thanksgiving are rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this main idea also serves as a helpful division for Psalm 116. The first 11 verses describe our reasons for thanksgiving. And the last part of the psalm describes our responses of thanksgiving. And if you like to take your song sheet and draw and doodle and circle words and stuff, you could just draw a line between verse 11 and 12. And above that line, you can write reasons. And below that line, you can write responses. Ultimately, what we will see is how this psalm, which was written several centuries before Jesus Christ walked the earth, is saturated with the gospel of Jesus Christ his death and his resurrection, and the salvation that he gives to those who call on him by faith. And this psalm will actually lead us very well to the communion table that we will participate in together as a family of faith. 
Psalm 116 is part of a, a smaller group of the Psalms, chapters 113 through 118 specifically, known as the Egyptian Hallel. And that's so impressive, right? So when you're around your Thanksgiving tables later this month, you can say, hey, did you know Psalm 116 is part of the Egyptian Hillel? And your friends and family will say, what is wrong with you? Um, But these were psalms that were specifically sung by the Jews and the Israelites in the Old Testament and even Jews today around the great feasts of the Jewish faith. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. And Psalm 116 was specifically sung and is still sung after the Passover meal is celebrated. And what that means is that Jesus Christ would have sung this very psalm after celebrating the Last Supper with his disciples. And I want you to keep that in mind as we, as we look at the words of this powerful text. We start as we look at Psalm 116 with our reasons for thanksgiving, verses 1 through 11. And the list could be infinite of the reasons for our thanksgiving. The first reason that I present today is God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. Even just reading in the first two verses of Psalm 116, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. Interestingly, the specific phrase of I love the Lord is actually not as common in the Psalms as we might think. I know I can say I love the Lord and you can say you love the Lord, but the articulation of I love the Lord really doesn't show up a lot in the Psalms. So this is a rare but very personal expression of the psalmist's love for God, specifically his love for God as God has responded to him as he's cried out in a time of desperation and the Lord has heard his cry. This is because the Lord is faithful to his people. And as a result of this, the psalmist wants to make calling out to the Lord a lifelong practice. And God invites us to do the same. We know that life is hard. Many times, even earlier this week, like me, you probably found yourself in a moment where you were calling out, oh, Lord, help me. And God always hears those cries. In the midst of any difficulty, in the midst of any setback, Pain, grief, and loss are part of the human experience, which means they are part of our human experience. And in the midst of even the most difficult trials, God willingly hears our cry because he is faithful and he invites us to call out to him. And the question is, can we trust that God is faithful? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes, we can. God is always faithful, and in fact, he has sent his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for our sins to prove that he is faithful. And even in our moments where our desperate cries feel faint and frail and weak, and we don't even feel that we have the voice to even say help, God is so faithful that he leans in close to us, like a parent leaning close to a child who is crying, and he says, Tell me, I am here for you. I am faithful. And God's never-ending faithfulness is just one of many reasons for our thanksgiving. A second reason for our thanksgiving is God's salvation, or we could say his deliverance. Looking at verses three and four, we read, the snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. 
Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Then verses eight and nine. For you have delivered my soul from death, my, e- my eyes from, my, from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Um, clearly, the salvation that God extends is related to his faithfulness. We do not know exactly what the psalmist was dealing with, but he was looking at some very difficult situation which had brought him very close to death. See also the grandfather in the Nantahala River that we witnessed being very close to death. Maybe sickness or oppression or persecution of some kind had plagued the psalmist, but he was close to death. And in this life-threatening situation, he calls out to the Lord for salvation. Now, we must understand that, yes, there are certainly physical dangers to our own lives that we may experience, but our greatest need is actually not physical. And our greatest need for salvation is not physical, but it is spiritual. And just as the psalmist psalmist was at death's door, so death was at our door spiritually. And through our belief in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, we can experience deliverance and have life. Jesus himself mentions this as he says in John chapter 5, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me, he has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now that's some serious salvation. That's some serious deliverance, to be brought from death to life. And in Jesus, we have the incredible promise of the gospel that we will experience resurrection of our own lives and our own bodies in the future so that we too, like the psalmist, will one day walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And God's unlimited ability and loving choice to deliver us from spiritual death into spiritual life is another reason for our thanksgiving, amen? A third reason for our thanksgiving is God's grace and his mercy. We look at some very um, intimate verses here in verses five through seven of Psalm 116 on your sheets. We read, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. And when I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. What beautiful words to describe God and his grace and his mercy. He chooses to save and he chooses to deliver because he is gracious and he is merciful and he is righteous. And this grace is at the heart of his salvation and his compassion towards his people. Uh, The problem is that we don't often believe that this is God's heart towards us. At times, I struggle to believe that this is really how God feels towards me. And when we read the scriptures and we get a picture of God's heart towards us, it's a beautiful thing. And yes, he is is righteous and he is just and, and he is wrathful. But he looks upon us in Christ with eyes and a heart of compassion and grace and mercy. And yet we struggle to believe that this could be God's choice. Each of us knows our deepest and darkest secrets and sins, and yet we see ourselves somehow outside of the grasp of God's grace. But friends, this is not how God views us. 
He longs for us to receive his lavish mercy and his abundant grace and to know of his great love for us. A book that I was privileged to read over the summer entitled Gentle and Lowly by a pastor and author named Dane Ortland includes the following quotation, which was such a blessing to me when I first read it. I really wanted to share it with you all this morning. He writes, The evidence of Christ's mercy toward you is not your life. The evidence of his mercy toward you is his. Mistreated, misunderstood, betrayed, abandoned, eternally, in your place. If God sent his own son to walk through the valley of condemnation, rejection, and hell, you can trust him as you walk through your own valleys on your way to heaven. That God is rich in mercy means that your regions of deepest shame and regret are not hotels through which divine mercy passes, but homes in which divine mercy abides. It means the things about you that make you cringe most, make him hug hardest. It means his mercy is not calculating and cautious like ours. It is unrestrained, flood-like, sweeping, magnanimous. Friends, that is the beautiful gospel-centered truth of God's grace and mercy for you and for me. And when we embrace this, we can actually talk truth back to ourselves as Dale taught us last week about the importance of when we are in these difficult times and our soul is downcast, we need to speak the truth of God's word and God's gospel back to ourselves rather than believing our own thoughts and emotions. And what the psalmist does in verse seven is he recognizes his soul can find rest when he speaks this truth to himself. So friends, I don't know where you are in your, in your, your struggle or in your life, But what I know is that regardless of how unworthy and how unlovable we may feel, the truth is that God has dealt bountifully with us in Jesus Christ. We read in Ephesians 2.5 this truth. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. God's grace and mercy, along with his faithfulness and salvation, are just a sampling of the unlimited list of reasons for our thanksgiving. So then the question is, how should we respond to these wonderful reasons for our thanksgiving? And that's where the second part of Psalm 116 directs us. Our responses for thanksgiving. Our responses of thanksgiving. And the question that he really asks at the start of verse 12 is, what shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? And that is a very appropriate question for us to ask and answer as we consider God's grace. And what we recognize is that there is an appropriate response that really has a practical outworking in our lives day to day as followers of Jesus, as we live out a life of genuine gratitude for all that our heavenly father has done. So what might this practical life of thanksgiving look like? Well, one response is that of surrender. Surrender. If you look at verses 2, 4, 13, and 17, we see a repeated phrase. Again, a phrase worthy of underlining or circling in your Bible or on your song sheet about calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord means that we are surrendering to him as king. We are telling him that he is God and he is worthy of our full trust and obedience to his commands. 
And I will tell you that this choice of surrender is a lifelong process, and it is difficult. Often we feel that surrender is one step forward and two steps back. Sometimes if you're like me, certain weeks, I feel as if it's one step forward and seven steps back as I struggle to truly surrender because true surrender takes humility, which is only possible when we admit our failings and our frailty. True surrender happens when, as Travis mentioned a few weeks ago, we acknowledge that the thing we tried so hard to prevent from happening is ultimately completely outside of our control to prevent. That's when we need to surrender. And God invites us to trust him, and he proves that he is worthy of our trust and our obedience time and time again. Remember, he gave his son Jesus who surrendered for us. So the question is, what might you and I be holding on to that we have not yet surrendered to the Lord? Is there an area of our life that we are just not quite willing to trust and obey him in, even though we know that the scripture has clearly called us to do so? How are we holding back in an area that God is calling us to release as an expression of gratitude to him? Because our surrender is an appropriate response of thanksgiving that we render to the Lord. A second appropriate response is service. Verse 16 reads, O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. The psalmist has been freed by the Lord and promises to serve the Lord. Interestingly, in Jesus Christ, when we place our faith in him, we are told very clearly that we are free because our identity and our life is rooted in Jesus. And yet we are told, ironically, while we are free, that we are, made, we are supposed to make the choice to become servants. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, we read, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In other words, the Apostle Paul is writing here that we do have freedom in Christ, but let's not use that freedom as some might choose to, to serve ourselves and to satisfy our appetites and desires only. But let's use the freedom to choose to become servants and to love one another. I remain passionately convinced that every follower of Jesus Christ has been equipped by the Holy Spirit to serve in some way in contributing to the kingdom work of the gospel of Jesus in our world, in some capacity. Sometimes that means being here at church and serving at church. I was going to say inside the walls of the church, but we're clearly not inside, so we're outside, but I hope you get the point. Sometimes that means rendering service to the ministries of the church. Sometimes that means ministering in different ways for the gospel outside of this campus in our community, maybe even on the other side of the world in a country like Chad, but we have all been gifted and equipped to serve. And if you don't believe that you've been gifted or equipped to serve as a follower of Jesus Christ, stop thinking that because biblically you're wrong. And if you wanna find out the ways that he has equipped you, I'd love to be in conversation with you about that. The opportunities to serve are abundant. And thankfully the resources that God gives us through his Holy Spirit are unlimited. So the question is, Will we engage in service in the kingdom mission of Jesus Christ in some way? Because our response of thanksgiving includes our service that we render unto the Lord. 
A final response of thanksgiving that we can note here is our worship, our worship. And that includes what we do right here in this space, whether you're here or you're online, is that we worship corporately. We read in verses 13 and 14, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all the people. Verse 17 and 18, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. What we find specifically here is that the psalmist was referring to a thank offering or a vow offering where someone would promise to God to give something back to God in thanksgiving for God's faithful expression of his grace in their lives. But what we find specifically with this is this was not just an individual, I'm I'm doing this privately in the privacy of my home. That's fine to do, by the way. But in this context, we see that the psalmist is engaged in corporate worship. Did you catch that line? In the presence of his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord. This was something he would do at the temple in Jerusalem for all to see so that all could participate. And what a gift we have to worship corporately as the body of Christ. What we find is that corporate worship is our time and our place as the people of God to render our own sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we do this through the songs that we sing, through the prayers we pray, through the offerings we make, through the baptisms we might witness, through the communion elements we take together, and through the fellowship that we share with one another. That is why corporate worship is one of the essential disciplines for the disciples of Jesus Christ. And as important as this time is, and it is so important to gather as the body, we also worship personally with our lives. And what I mean by that is that corporate worship on Sundays should actually not just stop when the clock hits whatever time we dismiss from here. But our corporate worship should fuel and inform our personal worship as followers of Jesus Christ throughout the week. In other words, at all times, our lives are an expression of worship where we are living, breathing conduits of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the watching world to see. In all that we do, we are worshipers of Jesus Christ. That identity does not Stop on a Monday morning when we clock in. At a church that we have attended in the past, worship services would often end on Sundays. Have a great week of worship to remind us that corporately our worship is essential, but personally that ongoing worship is essential as well. And the Apostle Paul writes the following words in Romans 12:1, reminding us of this truth. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Our response of thanksgiving includes our worship, both corporate and personal, which we render unto the Lord, along with our surrender and our service to him. Psalm 116 shows us that our reasons for and responses of thanksgiving are rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And in just a moment, we are going to get the opportunity to express our thanksgiving as we partake in the communion meal together at the Lord's table. But I want to just draw us to remind us of a point about Psalm 116. And it's to remind us that Psalm 116 was sung by the Jews after the Passover, which means that Jesus Christ would have sung this psalm after the Passover with his disciples. And as I considered this reality, I was blown away in rereading Psalm 116 through the eyes of Jesus, who would have read and sung the same words that we have today. I encourage you, tomorrow evening, when you take up Psalm 116 as part of our Psalms Prayer Challenge, that you read this through the eyes of Jesus. Because what we find is that after he shared this meal, Jesus would have said these words. about the snares of death and his distress and anguish in verse 3. And Jesus would have known that in less than 24 hours, he would have experienced the snares of death and anguish upon the cross for us. When Jesus would have sung about the preciousness of the death of God's saints in verse 15, Jesus would have known that his own death the following day would have been the most precious death of all to our Heavenly Father because his death would have been the most costly. In offering his life, Jesus rendered his service as an offering and sacrifice of worship to his Father. Jesus also would have known when he sang about deliverance from death in verses 8 and 9 that he would have been looking ahead to his own resurrection three days after his crucifixion where he would one day walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Again, I encourage you to dig deeper tomorrow night when you read Psalm 116, but the connections to Jesus personally for this psalm would have been so deep, deeper than I can even imagine. The text is saturated with the gospel because you see, while Jesus sang Psalm 116, He didn't just sing it, he also lived it for you and for me to the grave and back. Because we were much like a man trapped in the frigid waters of the Nantahala River with no hope of escape and deliverance until others came. We too were in need of salvation and deliverance and Jesus has come. So we are invited to respond with thanksgiving with our surrender and our service and our worship, knowing that our reasons for and responses of thanksgiving are rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we hope you will take up this call of Jesus to follow me as we consider these disciplines for disciples.